This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, April 3rd. Hey, Corey, it is the finale of March Madness tonight. It sure is. Did you take in any basketball this weekend? Uh, I did. I watched most of the Florida Atlantic and uh, SDSU San Diego State game. And can you guess which part I missed? The most exciting part? Yeah, exactly. I missed the last five minutes. Yep. Yeah, that part was awesome. Yeah, I was outside. I did not. That's what I get for going outside, being productive. It was a good try. Yeah. Um... When you look at the Superstation Madness uh, uh, ESPN group that we have been running, yep, it's over. It's over. You can do it. The dinosaur, eight hundred and ten points, is the official winner of the Superstation Madness bracket challenge. Congratulations to whoever that is. I have no idea. Well, glad that uh, they can do it. So I watched um, all, pretty much all of the women's final four. Yeah. Pretty much all of the men's final four. Uh, most of the Division Two women's championship, mm-hmm. because Minnesota Duluth was playing in it. And uh, they lost, by the way, lost to Ashland. Such a darn shame. Watched. By the way, I, the whole time this is happening, you have such an irrational hate for Minnesota Duluth. It is stunning to me. You hate them, and I don't understand why. I it don't really hate makes them. I just... Don't really care if they succeed or not. No, no, no. You act pretty much act. You can try to defend yourself here. You have never been so disinterested in anybody else vocally ever. I've never heard you this disinterested in somebody. Eh, well, they've been successful, so there's a bit of an inferiority complex there. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, probably. So it's a Minnesota school, so you didn't care? You didn't care that a Minnesota school was playing in the national championship? No, because they're a Bemidji State rival. You don't. You don't cheer for them. It's like Wisconsin was getting in. Maybe not that close, but... Yeah, but when you were in high school um, and Sabika was in the state tournament, you didn't root for Sabika? Well, I mean, okay. Well, that's a different one considering uh, that's a, that's local. That's like hyper-local. Yes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not, not going to get on that level. It makes way more sense to cheer for Duluth than it does NDSU, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm just fascinated. I'm just fascinated why you hate Duluth so much. It comes out every time I talk about them. You're like good riddance, and then you spit on their grave every single time. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I got nothing. I got, <laughs> you ask. I can't defend my feelings. No, that's fine. I'm just. I'm just wondering. That's all. I don't. I think it's hilarious. Um, I watched the the women's national championship game. Yeah. Um, Man, they scored a lot of points. 187 combined points in that game. A, a lot of points and a lot of whistles, apparently. A lot of whistles, too. That part was uh, kind of frustrating. But also, I don't think LSU missed, like, once that entire game. <laughs> no. Like, and every time every time Iowa got a stop, they would turn the ball over. Yeah. Like, you just need a stop here. Let's go. And then uh, they'd throw it away. Like, come on. Get over this hump, and they just couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Such a shame for Iowa. You know, really, um, uh, really tough to see bad things happen to them. Their center is from Minnesota. Yeah, their their starting center is from Watertown. Mayor, I watched her. They were in a state tournament. I don't know. Whenever she was a senior, however many years ago that was, and then of course, I mean, 
I don't think I've ever seen a, uh, a women's basketball player like Caitlin Clark. No. She's insane. So that's really fun. That's been fun to watch her throughout the tournament. And then, of course, the men's tournament tonight. Like, I have... Uh, I've rekindled my love for the sport of basketball after this weekend. What a cool, lots of great games. It's going to be really awesome, and then there'll be no basketball for six months. You know, unless we count the Timberwolves, but well, I don't think we count them. Should we? Should we just take a? Should we just flush them right now, like really quickly? Yeah, what? yeah. Let's just. We Social might media well. says CJ. Yeah. That that was the worst loss of the year, which I agree with, and some people are even saying that is the worst loss. In franchise history. Well, see, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to go that far considering it's the Minnesota Timberwolves we're talking about. There's a whole lot of failure and embarrassment here. Uh, but yeah, in terms of, and the reason that they're saying, Corey, that it's the worst loss is because according to Vegas, the Minnesota Timberwolves were like 20 point favorites heading into this game and they lost. That's uh, I, to a team who is actively trying to lose. It's uh, not just that they were favorites. Did Damian Lillard even play? I don't even think Damian he, Lillard is living in Portland right now. Exactly. And the Wolves lost. The Wolves, by the way, Corey, were at the Target Center. They were at home. It yep. was a Sunday afternoon. It was just all season long. They they're the weirdest they, team ever. They play they play really well against good teams. And play really poorly against bad teams. Their their record against the worst teams in the NBA is below 500. Playing down to competition. That's, you know what that sounds like to me? 500 team. It sounds Almost like, everything that we talked about last week is negated by that loss. Exactly. All the good strides they've been making, uh, There's no. it's inexcusable. Uh, there's nothing. There's uh, an interesting quote from Mike Conley about... And Mike Conley, again, was brought in to be the adult in the room. He was brought in to kind of corral Ant and corral. Not that, you know, they were acting out necessarily, but to kind of be like, hey, guys, I'm a vet. I know how things are going. Like, let's try and let's try and kind of grow here mentally. And here was the quote from Mike Conley. There's a big, long paragraph. Basically, it starts out with him saying, I can't really put my finger on it. He's like, I think we all understand how important today's game is, yada, yada. But it's the last two sentences uh, where he says, like, we have to be able to move on. Sometimes we get caught up in everything and it allows teams to stay in the game. We have to stop arguing and doing the little things that carry over in the next two to three plays. And it's pretty telling. I think when he says, like, it's not that anybody's not motivated, but we're getting caught up in the wrong things. They're children. Yeah. That's just immaturity. From guys who have been in the league for pushing a decade. Yeah. Now, one person in particular who's missed a lot of time this year but is back. And another player who they traded for and sold the farm for. Be mature. Show some maturity. Please. Please. You want to talk about something positive? Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, something that's uh, pretty darn positive? Uh, the twins mashed their way through the Royals yesterday. They sure did. What do you? Let's do a three things thing again here. Okay. I'm gonna throw a couple things your way. All right. You fill in the blanks. Sure. Okay. Let's just look specifically at yesterday's game. Sure. 
Twins beat Kansas City by a final score of 7-4. to four. Joey Gallo went 3-for-4 with a pair of home runs and four RBI. CJ, let's talk a little Joey Gallo. Uh, Joe, a little Joey Bats. A swing and a drive, right field and deep. Beck it goes, deep it goes, and gone. Galloway, two out, three run homer. Joey Gallo, his third straight at bat with an extra base hit. Back to back. Joey Gallo came into this game, Corey, without a hit. He was like 0 for, uh, about 0 for 8 in his first couple games as a Minnesota Twin, struck out in his first at bat mashed a double off the wall in his second, and then absolutely hit a moonshot 108 miles an hour off the bat. Then he follows it up with another one, this time with two runners on base, and basically puts the team on his back. Joey Gallo hit two home runs, scored on a double early, uh, hit a double and eventually scored. Joey Gallo is Miguel Sano that can actually play the field. And again, when he's on, he can hit 25 to 30 home runs in a season. And when he's off... He's the Joey Gallo that we saw in New York the last two years that basically wanted to quit playing baseball. So he's a good bounce-back candidate. I'm, I'm not sure how much it can consist uh, play, be consistently felt over an entire season, but that's a game where if you're the Twins, this is the reason why you brought in Joey Gallo. And I think we've talked about this off the air before, but realistic Joey Gallo expectations, for, and this goes for his career, if he had... St- 200 and hits 25 home runs. Good. That we consider that a, a like a, a a huge success. His career batting average is like 205. Right. And he's been in the league for almost 10 years now. Right. If he hits 195 and it's 25 home runs, success. Awesome. If he hits 215 with 20 home runs, we're talking about unbelievable like a career year for him. Yeah. And and the thing with Gallo is he's like Sano in the sense of when he's on, he's hitting two home runs a game with a double and four RBIs. When he's off, he's Miguel Sano that's just swinging and missing at everything. He's 0 for 4 with 4Ks. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So uh, Okay, uh, point number two that I think is probably worth mentioning, and this is uh, just a look back at the three games in general. Yep. Pitching? Pitching. Pitching. Uh, outside of uh, you know he who shall not be named and Emilio Pagan, uh, who comes in immediately gives up a loud double and an RBI single, and then Giovanni Moran, who gave up a home run yesterday. Outside of that, the Twins' bullpen has not given up a run outside of the two guys who are probably the two lowest on the totem pole in terms of the Twins' bullpen. Uh, their starting staff, Sonny Gray was a little shaky in his season debut. Joe Ryan had some loud contact early, but both of them gave you five five-plus innings. Joe Ryan gave you six and that's the thing with the Twins this year. They touted all offseason how we got Pablo Lopez, Kenta Maeda is coming back, Tyler Malley, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray. This is the deepest rotation the Twins have seen in a while. Granted, it's against Kansas City, whose three-hitter decided to just bunt with two outs in the middle of a game. Uh, but, again, they, they, they took care of business, and the starting staff put them in a great position, and the Twins were able to use their top-tier bullpen guys to get him through, and if you're Derek Falvey and Rocco Baldelli, this is how you drew up the season to start based on how you put the offseason together. One of the things that came up on social media over the weekend I noticed, and this this can be point number three, and, uh, and you, unless there's something else that needs to be mentioned too, but um, it's only three games. I am certainly not in freakout mode. No. But we know Max Kepler really struggled. 
He was a guy we talked about in the leadoff spot before the season started when they announced the lineup. Like, mm-hmm. eh, that guy's your leadoff hitter. We know it's probably not going to end up that way no. because none of what is happening right now. You just hope that Buxton and Correa are somewhere in the heart of your order. But if this can if this continues, let's say through Thursday, right? They they run games through Thursday this week. Um, what are some of the other leadoff options for the Twins? Joey Gallo. And that's the only reason why is Rocco Baldelli did it to end spring training. And I wouldn't be surprised if even tonight they make a change when they go to Miami. But uh, there's really nothing in terms of a leadoff hitter. Uh, that it's you Buxton, can, right? It's Buxton, and that's about it. But if you're Rocco, you haven't. I mean, they're putting Max Kepler in the leadoff spot also because they have nowhere else to put him. But how many times can you start the game? with the one out on the board. Max Kepler's 0 for 12 with like one walk. I so, mean, it's been a it's been a rough time for him. The, Polanco being hurt has really hurt that because if Polanco's healthy, he's the number 1 hitter, I think. So, so let me throw this at you. This is all you all you need to do is is a switch three guys. You have Buxton lead off, you have Kepler hit second and Correa hits third. Because now all Kepler has to worry about in that instance is making some sort of contact. Just allowing Buxton to do Buxton things on the base paths, and then you have Correa behind him, who is gonna is is one of your best hitters. Yeah. He's your top two hitter on this roster. And that having Buxton first protects Kepler. A little. I know you put him first with those two guys behind him. You think that would protect him, but with Buxton on base, you have to like be weary of Buxton on the base paths now with uh, with Kepler behind him. That would be that to me is the only thing that really makes sense because I don't know. You can't have a guy who hits one ninety five as a leadoff hitter. No, you. If I'm the Twins, I stash him below in the order because the one thing I'm worried about if you put Kepler second is he doesn't make a ton of hard contact right now. Is a double play. And that's the and then it negates Buxton getting on first base. Now you could say Buxton hits a lot of doubles, so Buxton's typically on second base anyways. Yep. But I mean, to be fair, I think if this is three games, as you mentioned earlier. So I'm not trying to read too much into this, but based on past performance and now the small sample size that we've seen early in the season, there's a good chance Max Kepler is DFA'd at some point this, this season. Is, it's three games, but also three years in three games. Yeah. Poor guy. Not a great start. Uh, the Twins tried to trade him this offseason, Corey, and you want to know why they didn't? Probably because they didn't feel like they could get anything back for him. Yeah. that's They just kind of need him to do some stuff. He's a, he's a prime, do some things and we'll, so we can get something for you. And that and now teams are just going to wait until free agency. Max Kepler is, I mean, because here's the thing. there's a bun- The Twins have a surplus of left-handed hitting corner outfield bats. Sure and if do. Max Kepler can't produce... Trevor Larnick's already come in and produced, and now if Alex Kirilov comes back or Matt Walner, the Forest Lake native who made his MLB debut last year's in AAA. There's Ed Julian, who's in AAA, who could potentially be a Twins leadoff hitter once he gets up here. There's a whole lot of options that the Twins can do at leadoff. They just don't have them on the Major League roster right now. And it's fine in the in the long term, but also you still have to figure out how to win games in the short term. And if the guy who sets the table for Buxton and Correa is a guaranteed out, it it does nothing for them. And it just it's it's not helpful in the long run. But that being said, the Twins are 3-0, and so let's relish in that. Let's uh, 
let's enjoy that. And also, let's enjoy uh, that Pablo Lopez is on our team, and he pitched a great opening day. And now they're going to have to face old friend Luis Arise and the Miami Marlins tonight. It's a 5 o'clock pregame and a 5.40 first pitch from Miami. You can hear it on 101.7 FM and AM 920 KWAD.